We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Coming to you with another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Uh, unfortunately, this is a Mavericks loss, a 106-93 to loss to the Indiana Pacers in Indianapolis. Since I am starting the podcast, you can assume that I am without my normal co-host, Kirk Henderson. And you are correct, Kirk uh, had a pretty uh, schedule-packed Friday evening, so we're giving him the night off, although I think he was able to catch the second half, so... Knowing Kirk, despite the fact that we were giving him a night off, he will probably still do a green room because because he's the man of the people. Instead, I am joined by staffer Luke Askew. Luke, how's it going? First time we've done a pod together. Oh, it's going well. I, <laughs> you know, I try to be positive. I, I do. I, I try to. I try to be a positive light in the Mavs Moneyball team, and I I honestly think that this might be one of if not the worst losses of the season it's hard to argue with you uh the one thing that you could count on with this mavericks team despite the fact that they've been so unreliable so far this season 
is that they've beaten bad teams, especially when they're fully healthy. I mean, the loss to Memphis was without, you know, Kristaps and Luka. Since Kristaps and Luka have been playing together, you know, over the last two weeks, which hasn't been a lot of games since they've both been in the lineup, the Mavericks have looked a little bit better. You know, they still all, that was a brutal loss to the Nets, but they, I mean, it was still, the first three quarters wasn't too bad. So you, th- there was something to maybe build on. And you, th- you see these three games on the schedule. You got Luke and KP back. You have Memphis, Indiana, OKC, all back to back. And you think like, okay, these are, this is the get right stretch. Go three and zero because the schedule is going to get hellacious to close December. And they they lose by you know they don't just lose they lose by thirteen points another double digit loss. I don't have the number in front of me, but Kirk, uh, I need to figure it out. But the Mavericks have trailed by double digits in a ton of games, and it's it's really it's really something. And yeah, Luke, when you this is a really really bad loss. The Mavericks were at full strength. Rick Carlisle wasn't coaching because he was out with COVID. Like, I don't know what I don't. I, I'm running like I think I've said this a million times on our podcast already, but I'm I'm running out of things to say. Where do you want to start off with? Well, I think too. Um, another another factor really in what makes this an even tougher loss is that the Pacers basically just made it known that they're doing the whole fire sale thing. Yeah, that's right. Where I mean, this is maybe their second game since that report came out. Uh, It might even be their first only since that report came out, but they, I mean, that should be a game. Like you said, with no Carlisle Mavs, the, the win in Memphis was gritty. It wasn't pretty, but it was a decent win. And coming into this ahead of the stretch, like you said, this is a game like this is a game that the Mavs should win by double digits against a bad team that has some strife internally. Mm-hmm. This isn't one that they should lose by double digits or even like it would be a, this would have been a bad one if it was close, came down to the wire and the Mavs eked it out. We would have been talking about like, that's not a great win. Like that's one that you need to win by more than a couple points, more, more than a possession. And instead it went the exact opposite way. And I think I keep, I have the shot charts pulled up here. One thing that was really obvious to me was, Luca's first half versus his second half. First half, he got to the basket, and it wasn't just like he was scoring in the paint. He actually got to the rim. He was attacking the rim, and I think he was seven for seven in the paint in the first half. Wow. Um, uh, six for six with one just right outside the paint. I'm gonna call it seven for seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the second half. He was like two for six and only two of the looks were at the rim and he made those looks. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, one was just off an offensive rebound. And I can't remember how the second one came. I'm blanking right now, but it wasn't it wasn't like a drive. It wasn't how we see Luca getting to the rim normally. Um, and that's frustrating. Yeah, that's uh, that kind of tells almost the whole story of the game. And you have to wonder, you know, he was so, it it was so much on him in that first half. Uh, I know, you know, talking about Lucas fitness and his weight and stuff probably has gone a little overboard in the last week or so. So I don't want to necessarily bog down the podcast talking about Lucas conditioning level. But I mean, the second half, he was a different player. Obviously, Indiana tightened things up at the rim, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, when you're, I mean, this isn't just a Luca thing. I mean, when you're asking him to do what he did in the first half and have to do it in the second half, just to, and I mean, just to scrape by, right? Like, I mean, it's not like they were, I mean, they trailed at halftime despite what yeah. Luca was doing. So to ask him to be like, hey, do that again and maybe, you know, the Mavs will win, like, that's not a good formula. I believe he's still, he's like, technically averaging a career high usage rate it's like by mere percentage points but again you know the coaching staff in the front office talked a lot about making the game easier for him you know they said he needs to trust his teammates uh you know all that stuff and and here we are again where Luca is just a man on an island at times and the starting lineup numbers are 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 unreal um Kristaps and Luca Looks like they combined for 45 points, if I'm doing my math right. Luca yep. had 27. Kristaps had 22. The rest of the starters combined for six. Those starters went 0 for 4 in the first half, zero points. And it's not – and I understand that when you have Tim Hardaway Jr. and Jalen Brunson that come off the bench and play starter-level minutes, they both hit 30 minutes and they were both in double figures. That kind of makes that a little different, but – Powell played 22 minutes, Bullock played 21, and Finney Smith played 30. Like, they still played, like, starter minutes. They played a good bulk of the game, and you cannot have three guys start the game, play that many minutes, and score a combined, like, six points. I mean, we've been saying it a thousand times since 2019, even, that this team just cannot get anything outside of their two two main guys. And, boy, it was evident, and it was evident watching this Indiana team where it seemed like every single guy that played had a, a contributing play, a winning play, even if they weren't scoring. Uh, Brissett came off the bench and had four rebounds that seemingly uh, like energetic rebounds. He had one offensive rebound. Martin, their, one of their backup guards, had two offensive rebounds in 20 minutes. Uh, and you could tell in the second half, like the Pacers were, you know, they're they're not a great perimeter perimeter team. You know, they're – you know, Miles Turner and, and Sabonis are, are kind of the, the linchpins of that. But even then, like you could the athletic difference between the Pacers perimeter players and the Mavericks was fully evident. And, and like they were just getting to balls faster. They were they were just jumping higher. Like, I mean, you could just tell from an athletic standpoint that they were they were just a step ahead. And man, I don't know, like Luke, I don't know what to do about like the starters miss, you know. Three starters combining for six points. I mean, that's just atrocious. It's just, it's just, there's no way you're going to win basketball games uh, playing a game like that. Yeah, I have, I have a few thoughts branching yeah. off of what you said. I mean, first, O'Shea Brissett got the confidence from whatever the Mavericks were letting him do to do the fucking. Oh, can I curse on this? I don't know if I can curse. On oh this. yeah, you can. Don't worry about okay. it. He <laughs> he got the mailman dunk in like the second quarter. Like <laughs> I. I was beside myself. I didn't, he was punking him. He was, I like, I do not like it. It made me want to have O'Shea Brissett on the Mavs. And I don't know if that's a compliment to O'Shea Brissett or a slight at what the Mavs are doing, like in terms of their energy level and stuff like that. But going back to what you were talking about with the starters, um, outside of Luca and KP, it's, it's tough because when you when you have Luca, you like you do want the ball to be in his hands. He's a heliocentric guy, and that's 
how the Mavs are going to ultimately be best. But there are two ways of doing that style of offense, in broadly speaking, where the other guys can just stand around and watch him go to work, or they can be back screening and cutting and moving and keeping things flowing. And there is just none of that. Even in the first half, when things looked like they were going better and Luca was getting to the rim, like you talked about, like we don't need to harp on his conditioning any more than it already is, but like that's probably the difference between the first and the second half. And so in the first half, he had the energy to do it, but there wasn't, there just wasn't movement. There just isn't like, and I, it's bad timing. I wrote a piece. <laughs> yesterday, a few days ago about Reggie Bullock and how great he is moving off the ball. And I stand by it, but right. today was not that day um, for him. He was a little stagnant. I don't know if there was one time in the second quarter where – and the, the thing is, too, actually, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. It's not even just standing around when Luca has the ball. It's like that whole mindset shifts to whoever has the ball. Like Dorian will have the ball out on the wing and everyone just stands there watching him, and then he oh has to create God. off the dribble. God, and those it, possessions in the fourth quarter where Dorian was dribbling were so painful. It it almost it like it almost hurt less because I knew it was going to end in a turnover before <laughs> it started. So I was just like there already. Um, but it it's weird, and I don't know if it's I like I don't know if it's kid if it's just the, the lineup like. There, but there just needs to be more movement. They need to find a way to get others engaged that don't have the ball. And in the second quarter, Bullock made probably the nicest off-ball play any Mav made tonight. Um, KP had the ball on – it was like a high post up right around the elbow area, and everyone was just standing around. And Bullock did a baseline back cut his guy was sleeping because everyone was just watching KP, which is normally a safe thing to do with this Mavs team. Defenses can just stand there and watch them. But (laughs) Bullock got open. He was at the rim waving his hands and KP just missed him. And it was on his side where he was posting up and he, he just missed him. And that that's a chance where sometimes I feel like off ball stuff is a little momentous in terms of, one nice off ball play can lead to another. And then it encourages more people to be moving off the ball and screening and cutting and doing all this stuff. And it was almost like when he missed, when he missed Bullock at the rim, I was like, Oh, I don't know if the off ball stuff is going to happen at all today. And it didn't. Yeah. That was a really, really bad miss. Uh, And I think what goes into it though, is, you know, we talk about the Mavericks being outside of Luca and outside of KP you know, being a one, you know, just being so one dimensional and standstill spot up guys, it doesn't just go to like scoring off the dribble or being able to drive. Like it's passing too. like these. Yeah. These guys aren't good. You know, these guys, they're not like bad passers in the sense that like they'll, they'll, they'll hog the ball or, or they'll turn it over, but they're not like intuitive passers. The Mavericks had 18 assists, you know, nine of them were Luca. You look at the Pacers, they start, uh, Durate, Levert, Sabonis, Brogdon. That's four guys. Like, and Durate isn't even that, you know, I don't even know if I'm saying pronouncing your last name right. He's not a great passer, but you know, if he's your worst passer in, in a starting lineup, that's okay. You know, he's 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 definitely looking to shoot more. 
but like Levert had five assists, Brogdon had eight, Sabonis had seven. Like you could just tell, like the Pacers had a bunch of guys that could find the open man and hit those, you know, the off ball movement, which, you know, they have a lot of, and especially with Sabonis, you know, at the high post and mm-hmm. you got backdoor cuts and things like that. Uh, and then, you know, you have the Mavericks and it's basically Brunson and it's, and it's Luca. And if, and if, if it's not them, whoever has the ball is probably just passing it back out to top, up top of the key for a reset. Uh, I mean, hell, I think you can make the case. Christoph Przingis has been the third best passer on the team this year. Uh, and, you know, good for KP. He's having a career year passing. Yeah. Like, jeez. Like, like <laughs> you, need, you, need, you need some of your guards and your perimeter players to just be a little bit better. You know, I'm not asking for these guys to be, you know, throwing behind the back lobs to the rim. It's just, you know, finding if Jason Kidd is going to emphasize this more movement, not everyone stands still and watch, which, you know, they did that tonight. But if there's going to be more movement, these guys got to, they need better passers and more intuitive offensive players and and man, they don't have that right now no it, it does like like you said about just needing more intuitive players it feels like there's a real like stunning lack of basketball iq on the floor almost at all times outside of luca jalen and i'm gonna say reggie because i'm still just biased towards him but it, it feels like just like the basketball IQ just isn't there and the ingenuity and the creativity. And part of that is on asking guys to outperform really what their ceiling is as an individual player. Anyways, like Dorian isn't a 30 plus minutes per game guy in the NBA. I don't think I like, I, and maybe I'm sliding him too much now, but I, I just think he's best served as a bench guy on a good team. Mm-hmm. And so I, go ahead. And I, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you're good. And I just, I, I think, and like same with Dwight Powell's not a starting center in the league. And that, so I don't know how upset to get with Dorian when he's not making plays and Dwight when he's doing whatever weird stuff Dwight's doing, because that is on the front office for not bringing, I mean, like, if I was starting at center for the Mavs right now, they'd be doing a hell of a lot worse. And I would hope <laughs> people wouldn't get mad at me because it wouldn't be my fault. Right. It'd be the office's fault for bringing me in. So like, I don't know, but. <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, Dorian, it's, it's amazing how many minutes he plays and how little points he scores. And again, that's not what he's asked to do, but when you've got a guy that's on the floor as much as he is, and he's just such a non-factor on the offensive end. I mean, to the point where like, you know, defenses are totally fine with letting him shoot. You know, the thing that would really worried me this week was usually when Dorian scores double figures, the Mavericks win. And you can even look at it this season, Toronto, he had 11 points and a win. Santa, you know, I'm just looking at his double digit games, mm-hmm. 14 points against San Antonio. That's a win. 13 points against Sacramento. That's a win. Next time he scored double figures, 15 points again against San Antonio. That's a win. Uh, 17 points against the Clippers, another win. Uh, but, you know, the last two games he scored in double figures, he had 15 against the Nets and 14 against the Grizzlies, that first Grizzlies game, and they both lost. And it's like, man, if you're not winning the games that Dorian is actually giving you double figures, like you're, you are super behind the eight ball uh, because he's going to have games like tonight where he plays 38 minutes and he scores four points. Like, that's, and I, that's kind of what he does. And I think that goes even 
to show just like how badly they need a stretch four or three or whatever you want to call him who can just even be like competent on the offensive end. Like if Rudy Gay was playing Dorian's minutes, that feels crazy, but like the scoring would be there at least. And I, I don't know. I think, I, I think there's a misconception with Dorian where people see when they're just kind of casually watching the game, like, Oh, Dorian's always open in the corner. He's spacing the floor, that sort of thing. He's really not spacing the floor. He's always open in the corners because teams just don't care to guard him. They want him to shoot that. It almost feels like the paint is more collapsed when Dorian's out on the court. And like, I I don't know. He's not, whatever his three-point percentages say, even in years he's shooting it well, they're not tough threes. He's getting the wide open ones in the corners. And I don't know, like, and I feel, I don't want to harp on Dorian too much because I don't, it's not his fault that the Mavs are 12 and 13 now. It's just, it's it's a more of an indictment on the front office for having that be the piece that's there next to Luca four years later. Yeah, it's just emblematic of of the the larger issues, which is again the roster just isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not seeing, you know, I know people don't want to blame Jason Kidd because it's like Jason Kidd isn't taking the shots, but he was the biggest thing to change, and the team's playing worse than they played the last two years. So. Obviously, the roster is the biggest deal, but the biggest offseason move they made was a new coaching staff, and they were hoping that this would perhaps invigorate some of the players on the roster. And so far, it's you know it's just not working. And maybe it's not Jason Kidd's fault that the team is twelve and thirteen right now, but I don't I don't see where he's helping. You know, <laughs> like right, you know I don't, right. I don't see the, the the positive gains because even defensively, they're about right where they're at the last two years in terms of league rank now. You know, defense has been better this year compared to the last couple of years. So they're actually a better defensive team by points per hundred possessions. But because everyone else is better, because offense is down a little bit, they're still, you know, a little bit below average defensive team. But that's still, you know, that's just relative to the league. They're still the same slightly below average defensive team. And we saw it, you know, a little bit tonight, you know, in the second half, uh, you know, and in the second quarter, the Pacers scored 34 points and it just, it's tough. And man, like Christoph Przingis had 22 points in 31 minutes. And I thought, I think he was scoring decently inside the three point yeah. line, but again, another bad shooting night from three. Uh, he is not, he's, you know, we've been talking about Dorian and Bullock and Tim about, you know, the Mavericks bad shooting from three and even Luca a little mm-hmm. bit. And Almost quietly, Kristaps is shooting what, like thirty uh, percent from three this year. He's actually below thirty percent now. He's at twenty nine point eight, just right mm-hmm. below it. Like, can't have that. That's a career low for him by far. Um, and also, you know, Sabonis and Turner absolutely ate the Mavericks up this game. Turner had seventeen points on eleven shots. Sabonis had twenty four points on thirteen shots. Kristaps had two rebounds in in thirty one minutes. Like. Uh, I appreciate, you know, the scoring out of the post and some of the mid-range stuff he did that that helped, especially at the beginning of the game, you know, that got the Mavericks a lead in the first quarter. But, man, he he has to be a factor on the defensive end. He has to be a factor on the boards, and he was not in both of those areas. Uh, so yep. not a great, great game there. And especially, like, with Indiana, like, they're so top-heavy with their front line. Like, Sabonis and Turner are the team, and it's just like, man, if you can just – you can neutralize one of them, uh, you know, that goes a long way. And both of them had double doubles 
um, and you know they really impacted the game. I thought, yeah. Uh, and I just you know I just I know a lot of people. I, I don't want to bag on KP too hard because he obviously gets bagged on enough, especially with Kirk. Uh, <laughs> but I just I, that just stood out to me in the fourth quarter. Like they were just not getting the stops they needed when Kristaps was on the floor uh, and those two bigs for Indiana. They do this to a lot of teams, to be fair. But still, you know, they were just kind of doing whatever they wanted for the most part. They were, and I mean, it was a, it was a bad Brogdon game too. It and, was. I mean, if you laid out all the scenarios, and then of like everything we mentioned right at the top of the pod with, with the fire sale rumors with the Pacers and Carlisle being out with COVID and the Mavs coming off a competent win in Memphis and then told me ahead of time that Brogdon was also going to have like one of his worst games. I, I would have bet even more than I did on the Mavs, but it's, I want, I want to talk about Turner a little bit, but really quick Luca. So in the first quarter, he got to the free throw line four times and made all four of them tonight. Didn't get to the free throw line at all in the second, third, and fourth quarters. Um, yeah, not not one free throw attempt. Kind of like, I don't want to say gimmicky or like lucky because he puts himself in those situations, but like one was off a kind of a wonky offensive rebound and stuff like that. He wasn't like getting downhill and getting to the basket. And it, it probably is a lot has a lot to do with his conditioning, but I even just like pulling up his basketball reference here, he's by far at a career low with free throw attempts per game. And well, and you check his rim rate too. I'm pretty sure his rim rate is, is career low also. It is. Yep. Yep. And so like his, so rookie year, 6.7 free throw attempts per game jumped up that second year with the big leap to 9.2 free throw attempts per game. And that's also, we shot a career high 76% from the line that year. So that's, and that's, I mean, that was probably Luca's best season, at least numbers wise. Um, And, and then it went down to 7.1 last year. Now we're only at 5.6 and it's going to go down again after tonight. I, the first quarter I was, I was just so happy because even though the Mavs didn't look that great as a team, he had like 10, three and three. He got to the line four times. He was getting downhill. It was like a classic Luka game that we'd see in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I feel like people are going to see the – I think he was one for eight from three tonight. And I feel like people are going to box score check and see that and just be like, ah, tough shooting night. Like, can't win when you have tough shooting nights. But it really – like, the one for eight from three doesn't even bother me anymore at this point. I just want to see <laughs> Luka getting back to the rim. Yeah, I think uh, a a moment that stood out to me, and it's funny because it happened on his one three-point make of the night. Uh, it happened against Miles Turner, who switched out onto Luca, you know, mm-hmm. at the three-point line, and Turner wasn't like giving him space. He was playing him pretty straight up, like he wasn't like daring him to shoot. He was kind of, you know, I wouldn't say he was all over him, but you know, he was definitely mm-hmm. playing, you know, fairly straight up. And Luca couldn't get by him, and he tried like two or three dribble moves, and he couldn't get by him, and he had to settle for. A contested step back and he made it but i saw that and i was like man just nothing easy comes for this mavericks team on, on, on the offensive end like everything even when they're successful feels like a struggle uh mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like there's anything consistent you can rely on uh to get you easy looks and easy baskets and 
that's where I think I miss, you know, obviously I think Rick Carlisle had, if the roster was over Rick Carlisle and, and if the reports were as accurate as they, as they came out about how much the roster was starting to tune him out and how much Luke was starting to tune him out and how much the team just was not appreciating his style of coaching and, and his, you know, his, you know, crankiness and, and disposition towards, you know, people in the organization and things like that. If it was just, if, if the team was over him, you know, they had to, they had to move on. But the one thing that I really miss from a Carlisle coach team was how good he was at seemingly getting like the non-star guys, like easy, easy looks through mm-hmm. through sets. Now the Mavericks have still been pretty good at out of timeouts and, and sideline plays, but like, when like I miss the the Dorian back screen alley oop, you know yeah. I miss I miss the TJ curling off a curling off a screen and instead of popping a three point line kind of curling all the way to the rim and getting a layup. He did that yep. uh, against Memphis, I think, or Brooklyn, one of those games. But like, and then that was it. I miss like I miss those little set plays where you know if things were bogged down and, and the Mavericks needed a spark, they seemingly were able to generate like a really good look for a role player or something and, and, and it would work out. So like, that's what I miss the most, but it, they, uh, they, yeah. they do need, they need to get back to somehow finding ways to get just easier looks. Like, like you said, every, even when they're scoring, every basket just feels like a slog. Like it feels like, it feels like when you're playing like intramural or like YMCA noon ball, where there's, no flow at all it's just pass and see if you can beat your guy and that's it that's what it feels like it's gross to watch and this is a team that had historically best offense of all time (laughs) and wasn't that long ago it wasn't that long ago and the roster looks the exact same and it's just not there anymore and it's really frustrating and watching you know, playing the Pacers at the time of like the fire sale rumors was yeah. was kind of it was interesting because I definitely was watching Miles Turner with a different <laughs> eye tonight. He said, "I think that's I don't know if it came out yesterday or the day before, but like he literally just had a story, and it wasn't just like anonymous sources. He went on the record basically saying like I don't like how I'm I'm being used on this team." And they yeah. come out and they beat the Mavericks by 13 after that story comes out. That's yeah. Jeez. And I I I every time Miles Turner did something, or even just where he was located on the court, I was like, man, the, the Mavs could use him. Like I, I don't I, I'm not good at coming up with with trades and knowing how the how the contracts are gonna stack up and which picks we can and can't trade and stuff like that. But I do know that Miles Turner would be a perfect fit with oh what God. he would uh, the ability to go big with him and KP while still stretching the floor with both of them the added rim protection the ability to just keep him or KP on the floor at all times so you don't have to go to a Willie Cauley Stein mm-hmm. um it it even just his backline rim protection he has a, a like pretty good basketball IQ. He makes a lot of nice plays. Um, I know he's had some ups and downs in his career, and some people are bigger on the Miles Turner bandwagon than others, but he would help this team out offensively and defensively. And it was hard. It was hard to watch the game 
and not have that in the back of my mind constantly as those rumors just came out. And I think someone dug up a tweet. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. It was from like, Oh, I might be butchering this. I think it was like 2014 maybe. And it was from Miles Turner and it just like said Mavericks or something (laughs) like that. And, and so, I mean, the rumors are going to be flying now, the closer we get to December 15th, where like things can actually be traded and assets can be moved. Yeah. I mean, I he wasn't even in the league when he, when he made right. that tweet. Right, right. Yeah. And I doubt I doubt anything happens, but it's right. fun to be optimistic about it. And it's, it's fun. It is fun to think of like to see a guy because it's easy. It's easy to look at the best players in the league and look at like so-called super teams and be like, man, Luca needs a guy like, like if Luca had Kevin Durant next to him, like James Harden does, or if Luca had Anthony Davis or something, it's easy to look at those things. But and to those guys and be like, that is what would help elevate this team. But it, it's fun when you see a guy like Miles Turner, who's not going to be an all-star. He's just kind of a, he's a starter. He's just a good player, but that could really actually elevate the ceiling of the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. And it was tough to watch him just destroy. Yeah. And, and, and a hometown, he's a hometown kid. He went yep. to, he Born in the same city I was born in, went to my same high school, uh, which is which would be really really cool for me uh, yeah. if you ever go on the team. Pretty sure, and unlike a lot of uh, Dallas area, you know, NBA players and, and stars, actually grew up a Mavs fan. A lot of you know, I don't know, right? Low key, a, a lot of the guys in the league that have come from the Dallas area didn't actually grow up as Mavs fans. And I know some of that was because like. Chris Bosch and LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, they were, they were kids like when the team was trash in the, in the nineties. So like, it was yeah, not cool. Yeah. It was not cool to be a Mavs fan back then, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. Turner, Turner grew up like at, as a teen watching Dirk win a title. And like, like, so that would be, that would be really cool. He seems like one of the, one of the, one of the good players that actually wants to be here. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's kind of out of their hands. And like you said, the Mavericks trade assets are, insanely weak you know if i think i saw a lot of nba you know smart nba people that were like if turner gets to dallas then a whole bunch of teams in the league you know messed up right uh, yeah so we'll see um i think yeah. it's it's hard to sorry to interrupt it's hard no, to no. it's hard to imagine rick signing off on a trade that i mean like you said like the mavericks don't have enough to offer compared to what other teams have to offer and so it's hard to imagine rick signing off on a trade and being like yeah let's let's give one of let's let's help out the mavs right now <laughs> yeah the only hope is you know maybe he, he wants some of his guys back who knows yeah that's true uh, maybe 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 he <laughs> wants some of his guys yeah no that's true i know who knows but uh man i don't i don't know what else to say so we should probably get out of here and we got about nine uh, under nine minutes before our our program kicks us out because we run a really uh, tight operation here at Maz Moneyball. Uh, we use the the best money can buy, uh, aka free. So, uh, Luke, I think that's it. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. Bad loss Friday night. Let's go enjoy the rest of our Friday nights while we still can. What do you think? Uh yeah. Only remaining thought is to never forget that O'Shea Brissett mailman dunked on us. Dude, the more I think about it, the more you're like. God, that that is embarrassing. Oh, yeah, he punked man. us. He punked <laughs> he us, and I will never. It was a. It was the second quarter, I think, on a Friday night in early December, and I'll somehow never forget it. So, 
Good vibes. Vibes are good right now. Um, yeah. Immaculate. Yes. Um, Luke, thanks for joining me. This was fun. I appreciate you filling in for Kirk. Like I said, Kirk is actually doing a green room like right now. I knew he would. Uh, he, Like I said, he's the voice of the voiceless, the man of the people. So if you're listening to this, you'll probably see a green room pop up in your feed uh, sometime Saturday afternoon. Otherwise, that's it. For Luke Askew, it's Josh Bowe. Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Mavericks lose 106-93 to the Indiana Pacers. We will talk to you guys after the Oklahoma City game on Sunday. Peace. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.